Hi, this is Skin on Absolute Radio. Um, today, I wanted to introduce you to, to um, someone who's very close to my heart, someone I've known for a very long time and watched go through many different changes, many different uh, levels and good and bad <laughs> in his life. And that person is my drummer, Mark Richardson from Skunk and Nancy, one of the best drummers in the world, can I mention? Hell, hello, Mark. How the hell are you? How's it going? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a bit a bit tired of having a day off building a house today, so I'm I'm enjoying that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you ha your house. I was just saying before we started recording that your house is this kind of magical, kind of Harry Potterish. <laughs> Not really, but it's like you've done everything and built everything yourself. But what I actually wanted to talk to you about um, the death of Taylor Hawkins kind of hit us hard while we were on tour. Um, and I want to talk a bit about that and I want to talk a bit about you and your connection with that. Um, uh, Mark, uh, quite a few years ago, set up with some friends a charity called Music Support. Can you tell us a bit more about that, Mark? Yeah, so um, Music Support is a charity which helps anyone with mental health or addiction challenges um, in any part of the music industry. So if you're working in a bar in a gig in a venue or you're a promoter or you you know I know set the dressing rooms up it doesn't matter what role you play if you're working in the music industry you're welcome at music support um, and we basically we started off we wanted to provide a 24-7 service 24-7 helpline um, we don't have the people power to do that um and what we discovered was that we only really got calls during the day strangely enough we didn't get calls like at three o'clock in the morning when you know people you would mm. think would be desperate um it tends to be during the day when the stress and strain of everyday life is sort of on them so we we have a helpline which uh, which runs nine to five every day um, we do addiction and recovery workshops. So that's educating the industry about addiction and how to recover from that, um, any form of addiction. And there's a lot of forms of addiction. <laughs> we, we, do, um, we, we hold mental health first aid classes. So um, what we, we're doing at the moment is um, inviting industry companies to book in their staff with a music support mental health first aid class and educate um, their staff on what mental health challenges are with all the different kinds and how they can how they can help them um, mm. and obviously crisis support crisis support and um, and webinars and stuff like that we the, one of the earliest things we did was we provided safe hubs at festivals at uk i festivals. remember that yeah yeah so that yeah so that was like a really early um sort of victory if you like in terms of wanting to get ourselves out into the industry and we it was literally um we got uh, festival republic um were kind enough to give us um a tent backstage so not in the artists area and not in the sort of tech area it was in an area where everybody could get to 
Yeah. Because obviously not everybody can get into yeah, um, the, all the, the artist bits. That's festival VIP uh, past yeah. nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so we wanted to avoid that. So we we provide we were provided with a tent in an area that everybody could get to and they could come and ask us about, you know, or come and sit if they were struggling, just come and sit with us and talk um, or just come and ask and find out more information. Mm-hmm. I remember you starting this off with your friends and it was very difficult in the very beginning. Why did you want to start this charity? What was the thing that drove you towards putting setting it up? I was sick of people dropping, keeling over dead. You <laughs> <It really laughs> shouldn't did. laugh, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 is a, it was a bit of a joke then because there was nothing. You know, if you remember when um, I got sober, uh, Lee and I, struggled so much to get and find help um Lee's our our ex-tour manager from Skank and Nancy by the way uh, yeah Lee Lee, our our ex-manager um was was trying to help me find some help when I was struggling with my own addiction and and mental health issues and there was just nothing you know you couldn't if you Googled it, there was nothing there you know it was literally the Samaritans and that was it there was nothing music industry specific and so that was one of the things. And the other thing was, um, strangely enough, or well, not strangely, really, I suppose, was when Amy Winehouse passed. And it just seemed such a sad, pointless waste of talent. And, and it just seemed she wasn't able to take care of herself for whatever reason. And she wasn't being taken care of um, by the people around her in the in the right way. That's what it looked like anyway. Yeah, uh, maybe they had the same problems that you had. I mean, it, it, yeah. I think that it's interesting because knowing you for so long, I mean, I think that it's interesting this hasn't got set up. And one of my theories towards this is that, you know, as kind of rock stars, we're encouraged to be as mad and as crazy as possible. Everybody knows the Rolling Stone stories, the Led Zeppelin stories, the Keith Moon stories, you know. Um, And we're kind of supposed to be this kind of these characters that are like rock stars and trash in the place and, you know, shagging loads of people and all that kind of stuff. But there's always a fallout to that, you know, that kind of perpetual kind of drug fueled, alcohol fueled mentality. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there, there's a dark, there's always a dark side to that. And I think that as, as being in the music industry, we're encouraged, all that's encouraged. And we're kind of treated like, you know, we're 18 forever, you know, where the, we're Peter Pans and we're going to stay mad and crazy and everyone wants the rock and roll stories. But then, there, as yeah. I say, there's a dark side to that, right? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Music support and my mission is not about, I don't want people to stop having fun, right? Yeah. I don't want... <laughs> I, that's not the that's not the point of music sport. It's not my mission. It's not what I want for the music industry. What I want for the music industry is a safe place for people to go when they hit when they hit trouble when they do find themselves um, you know addicted and not knowing what to do with it. I want music support to be oh I can call that number and find out some information of what to do next. You know which is what which is what I, I didn't have. You know, I um, eventually went to a therapist um, who told me I was an alcoholic and, and, I, and I started going to AA, you know, and, and that, was, that was kind of my intro into, that was the start of everything, really. Um, yeah, 
in some ways, I think that, you know, those early Skankanansi days, we, we were all complicit in that because, you know, we love to tell the stories about how crazy Mark was. Yeah, there's one time that, he, you know, he went up one kind of trap door on a tour bus when the tour bus is going down the motorway at 70 miles an hour and walked across and went down into the other one. You know, all these kind of rock and roll stories that we love to tell because you were the one that in the band that had those those rock and roll stories apart from cast fighting bouts all the time. And it's kind of like you look back and you think god yeah in some ways we encouraged it because that's you know we were all so naive and i mean i remember this one particular story about myself in those early days that we were just getting drunk all the time every gig and i remember sitting backstage at nottingham rock city absolutely exhausted and fried i remember mm. thinking to myself i have to stop drinking i can't keep yeah. drinking and then singing and then performing um and that was that was kind of the this, what the, the, the moment I stopped being so crazy because of I just was just so yeah. tired. So, so my point of that was like I have to. My mental process was uh, subconsciously was I need to keep drinking and using because I cannot cope with you know any other kind of state. Yeah. Not that I was messed up all the time. I wasn't. I got through the days relatively okay, but. Um, by you know i it's interesting what i'm saying is it's interesting that we had kind of almost opposite mechanisms going on at that time so you know i wanted to party more and you were like going i can't i can't do this you know yeah and that's sort of like the whole point of it really is because we're all different we all have different m mechanisms we all have different backgrounds we all have different traumas and things that happened to us growing up and we've all dealt with those in different ways and some of us develop coping mechanisms which are relatively healthy and get us through and others like in my case you know I I developed a mechanism which um worked for a little while but ultimately was really destructive and I think a lot of the music industry is is uh, like that even though there's still uh, there's a lot of help out there now i think it's still an industry that uh, kind of attracts that 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 sort of attitude of like i'm i'm going to run away to the circus because i can't deal with reality almost yeah. you know skunkinetsi and the food fighters go way back really i mean i remember cassie's favorite stories about one of our early meetings was that we were um playing at the same festival and we were next to each other in the dressing room and we kept hearing all this noise from the Foo Fighters room. We were like, what is going on over there? So we climbed up the side of our dressing room and peered over and what what game were they playing? Were they playing chess or dominoes or something? I think they were or playing Scrabble some, or something like that, was it wasn't Scrabble? it? And it was like... Um... They were playing Scrabble <laughs> and so. like, and we took a picture of it. They we just we kind of peeked over and took a picture of it, like it's what band playing Scrabble in this really noisy way. <laughs> I mean, you know, how did you know uh, Taylor? When did you first meet? Uh, I, I I knew him very briefly for very short spaces of time. You know, I won't pretend to to be his mate or anything like that. But we crossed paths a few times at festivals. And we did a couple of drum clinics together back in the day. And that's where um, that picture that I showed you of us sitting and chatting and laughing. Yeah. Comes from. You know, it's a long time ago. And that's probably the most time I ever spent with him. But again, you know, as with all of these tragedies, it, it, it just, it sort of rocks me to my core because 
here's this guy got a chance to join Alanis Morissette's band before she was before she had that album out and came up through there and then with the same age you know we sort of you know he went off to do the Foo Fighters and and I joined Skunk and Nancy and I feel so connected to him and yet I didn't really really know him at all you know um but it's what it is 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 that um and and I have to caveat all of this as well by saying that we don't know what happened to Taylor I mean the Hawkins family chose music support as the beneficiaries for their tribute for the tribute show for Taylor but that doesn't mean to say that there was a mental health issue or an addiction issue going on but the point is is that his loss touched me because we we came up together we you know in at the same time we were the same age and he, he d- does the same job you know and that fucking scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's very brave of them to choose music support as a beneficiary just because we wanted to be we need to be on a, a worldwide stage music support needs to be there with with lots of other there's lots of other charities now mental health awareness has gone through the roof in the past sort of decade or so thankfully and is no longer seen as like this thing that you can't talk about it's 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 still difficult to talk about it's still really hard for especially for um a, a man to get vulnerable with another man is still a very tricky thing is what I did my thesis on my masters you know it, it's it's really really hard but when you do it it can save your life you know and I think that's the sort of they're the sort of that's the sort of information that needs to to get out there that if you're struggling you can pick up the phone you can talk to somebody you can share your problem and you we can find a way forward Exactly. I mean, I think that you just touched upon something really important there, that men being vulnerable and being soft and talking about issues and talking about problems that, Mm. you know, especially kind of like men, men, (laughs) you know, like, you know, the kind of men that are kind of not perceived as having any kind of different characteristics apart from being men and being macho or just being the ones who everybody else falls back on yeah that everyone falls back on and i see a lot of that right now you know in fact i think sometimes it feels we're going forwards and actually taking five steps back well i remember when they first announced the concert we were a bit like oh it's a bit soon it's a bit soon um but then i kind of felt that there was a bit of closure for people because when you have someone who's so well loved and, and, and a genuinely a person who's genuinely loved um, that passes very quickly, it kind of gave to me the concept that like it gave people a lot of closure, you know, it's their time to actually grieve because people forget that, OK, you don't. OK, I may like his music, but I don't personally know him. But you music is such a connector spiritually and emotionally that you know, you'd feel connected to someone even though they're famous and you've never met them. And so it, you do grieve and you do feel bad when someone like that passes. And so did it feel like that fear that it was closure? How did you, how was the concert? I mean, the pictures looked amazing. Oh, it was unbelievably moving. The people that turned up to sort of, you know, um, pay tribute were just amazing. And um, from that perspective, it was it was a wonderful a wonderful, wonderful uh, day. Um, everything that you heard and saw 
was about what Taylor loved and what Taylor liked and the music that he played and the people that he admired. And so from that point of view, it was incredible. But I think everybody came from a place of love for him. And, you know, it was a wake on a, on a massive scale, really. It was a chance for us all to sort of say goodbye because, you know, and I've pretty much listened to the Foos nonstop since because you just, you, as you say, you connect with that music and, I didn't realize how much a part of my life it had been. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of, yeah. you grow up with it almost. You grow up with each other in, in this industry and listening to, you know, those of, for those bands that last a long time and are constantly, you know, putting out new music, you're, you're constantly interested and you're constantly sort of looking and thinking, oh, what are they up to now? Every time they come out with a new record and, and, um, you kind of know them on that level, you know, it's, it's, so when you realize, when there's a realization that they're not going to be there anymore and they're not going to be making that same music. And it, you know, if, if the Foo Fighters carry on, um, it won't be the same. It'll be, it'll be a different band. The chemistry will be different. You know, we have this conversation yeah. all the time, you know, with, with the chemistry, of the band is made up of those of, of us four people and if one of us swapped out it wouldn't be the same it wouldn't band. be the same yeah because the sound of the band you know the sound of the food fighters is is taylor on drums and so yeah. it's almost kind of like you know i mean from from our point of view from a band's point of view we know the intricacies of each member of the band and the things that they do that uh the, the little things that, that that individual members of the band do and the way they play and the way they come across on record and, and on live, you know, you change that out and it changes the whole sound of the band because suddenly yeah. you're having to change a feel and an atmosphere and, and your sound as a band. I mean, I yeah. think that it, it's interesting. Um, also, we're talking on the, uh, the day of uh, the funeral of um, the Queen that those kind of events you know a funeral a gig it's collective grief because one of the things that yeah. came across when when we heard that taylor died you know we thought the best way to remember him we just did it one gig was to play the best of you and just to come out and say thank you to the audience and the crowd would just go crazy because that was their moment to grieve that was their moment to all join in, they all got it. And so we just kept it going for the whole tour, right? Just because, yeah, you know, it was our moment and it was, we realized that the audience needed it more than yeah. we did in some ways. It was supposed to be a one-off, wasn't it? But we ended up doing it for the rest of the tour because um, you could see the pleasure that it was giving, you know, the people in the, the room. Audience, yeah. You could see like some people, you could actually see them going, thank you for, for, for playing this. Thank you for you know, reminding us about this because every person at our shows would be a Foo Fighters fan. Absolutely. Much, yeah. You know, all of them. And um, you could tell that because they all sang the words, they all knew all the words, they all sang it back. And, and um, it was a very lovely memory for me to have done that on the tour and a really nice impromptu kind of way to remember a, a fantastic musician, you know? Yeah. And I do, I do think, I think we needed it as much as, them because whether we connect with it um deeply or not we're all affected by these deaths i think and there's and, been a few right yeah there's been you know a few all the drummers that i've taken over from are, are no longer with us 
So wow. Yeah, Michael Lee from Little Angels. He died of a an alcoholic um, seizure um, when he was coming off alcohol. John Lee um, yeah. committed suicide from feeder. I remember. Uh, I mean, that for me was like. I mean, we used to properly hang out with that guy every single night. You know, upstairs. At, you know, at the Splash Club. You know. Yeah, um, they toured with us, and we we became yeah. great friends with them. And and I suppose, you know, it it sort of explains in a way why. I feel more connected to Taylor because because all the drummers that I've replaced are, are no longer with us. And and you and I'm kind of left thinking, oh God, not another one. You know, um, I'm one of those guys. You know, I'm they're my peers. Stuart Cable, another one who, who died from an alcoholic, you know, choking on his own vomit, you know. Another friend, another guy who toured with us, another drummer. Um, and you, I'm just left thinking. I can't help but be left thinking, fucking hell, you know, how many more of my friends are going to... I mean, I I would say out of everybody in my life that I've ever known for, uh, you know, a long period of time, all of my friends, in you, I've seen the biggest turnaround of anyone I've ever known. I mean, um, you you went from... I remember one time in uh, San Francisco... We were like, what's this noise coming from your hotel room? And three of us went and peeped through your door. Uh, there's this little gap between, you know, the door and the blind. And we just saw you smashing and trashing your room to pieces. And we got the bill the next day. And you went from that to the person that if we have to deal with any kind of delicate situations or if there's something that um it's hard to do i will always go to you and talk to you first you know you've become in some ways the kind of mental backbone of the band from being the one that was kind of like a hair's trigger from doing something crazy and having to always watch you and be concerned with where's mark what's he doing what's he who's he with where is he to the one that well like you're for me it feels like you're the backbone of the band you know you're the one that comes in with these pearls of wisdom when they are most needed <laughs> <laughs> and so I, if i say anything to, to listeners i would say that you can turn it around you know if you get help you can absolutely turn it around and be the person that you want to be because i know that your struggle is daily i mean i'm i know yeah. you very well and I, I see you on tour sometimes and i i know that your struggle struggle sometimes it's yeah. hourly sometimes it's being you know there's people crazy people backstage or there's a bit of a party backstage and i see your you struggle by the minute in some situations you know and then sometimes i see it's just like you're having fun and that's it never goes wrong right no it's it's a daily process and it's something that i have to i wake up and i and i just say to myself not today i'm not doing that today my recovery has been a bridge to normal living so i don't you know it's not about being pious or better than or holier than now it's just about being a better if i can be a slightly better person today than i was yesterday even in the tiniest way then i'm on the right path and for me that's sometimes i'm i'm going backwards you know maybe for weeks or whatever but but eventually i'll always come out of it and that struggle is a very real struggle for me. I have regular suicidal ideation, but I don't do anything about it. You know, that's the difference. Is yeah. that 
And, uh, you know, and I, I say this with utmost respect for anybody related to people that have lost a loved one in that way. Um, and I do not say it lightly, but it's, it's for me, um, it's a choice. It's a decision to, to wake up, not drink, first of all, you know, and if I don't drink, then the rest of my day seems to go better. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just been, and I've been doing that for, for, for 20 years now. And yeah. it, whilst it does get easier, there's still, you know, d- depression is a, just a, it's a bastard. It's a real bummer. And, and some, like sometimes when you're in that space and you, and you have to go and um, socialize, it's kind of, um, Eri always says, like, you, you can't hide the way you feel. It's written all over your face. So. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> I, I was going to hire you. And I was about to say to. <laughs> one of the thing, and I was about to say one of the wonderful things is that you've given us Eri, who's your wife, is also um, our backup singer. And my, you know, I've got my rock in Eri as well, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. having her on tour and having her in your life, I'm sure has made a massive difference too. Oh, it, absolutely. I, I met Eri eight months into recovery, which is something you do not do. If you're getting mm. sober, if you're trying to get sober, the last thing that you want to do is complicate it with a relationship because um, it, can, it can upend you really easily and send you back to, you know, the drug of choice. But I met Eri and me being me stubborn get I knew that I'd met somebody really really special and that proved to be right because she always knew where unlike me Eri always knew she where she began and I started if that makes sense whereas I was always very enmeshed with every partner that I had so I I didn't know the bound what the boundaries were I didn't know um what I liked or or what music I liked. I just liked what you liked. And, and so then you'd like yeah. me, you know, you know what I mean? It's that. Yeah, I, exactly. Trying to, too much of a pleaser. Sort of push pull thing. Whereas when I met Aries, she was different to anyone that I'd ever been with in that. She was like, <laughs> whoa, let me just stop you there. That's your shit. Not mine. Go and talk to somebody about it. You know? So mm. um, it was kind of easy, even mm. though it was in early recovery, it was an easy relationship to, to kind yeah. of have. In some respects, we did split up four times, but (laughs) (laughs) I also remember that. And I was uh, was like, they'll work it out. They'll work it out. Um, But listen, I'm going to let you go because I've taken up too much of your day. Um, But I just want to say I'm uh, very happy that you're in my life. And um, I think my life is better with you in it. So thank you for being uh, the most amazing person, most amazing drummer and the the, the backbone of Skankanensi. And um, yeah, if anybody else is out there and they want to get in contact with you, what should they do? Well, all the the information that I've talked about today is on musicsupport.org. That's um, and online. And um, the, the helpline number is 0800 030 6789 it's 0800 030 6789 um you know and i i think if you if you are struggling you know the thing to remember is that um it's the most one of the most difficult parts is reaching out for help so once you've 
sort of done that, it gets easier. It does get easier um, eventually. You know, you, Great. You, use disorders, they deserve empathy, not, you know, media-led hysteria. And I think as, if we can, the more we educate, the more we can avoid that, you know, next Amy Winehouse situation <laughs> happening in the future. Thank you very much, Mark. Love you. Love you too. <laughs>